Lord, open my lips that my mouth may proclaim your praise. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Um, Last week, we encountered Jesus preaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. Um, Backing up a little bit before that even, we're in Mark's Gospel. This is year B, so we have years A, B, and C. Last year was Matthew. So we're we're going through Mark's Gospel this year. And we're still in chapter 1. So last week, um, the reading came immediately after Jesus had come out of the temptation in the desert and he had gone and he had called the fishermen, the two pairs of brothers, Simon, Peter and Andrew, brothers, and James and John, the sons of Zebedee, also brothers. And then with him, he had gone into the synagogue and as he's preaching, a man possessed by a demon starts shouting out, And immediately, Jesus, with great authority, says, Be still, be quiet, come out. And the man is freed from the oppression that has been over him for those years. And he is freed from the demon. Well, after they leave the synagogue on the Sabbath, they go back to Simon Peter's house. And when they enter in, so all of the fishermen are with, with Jesus, uh, the two sets of brothers, and they come into the house, into Simon Peter's house, and Jesus is told immediately that Simon Peter's mother-in-law has been laid low with a fever. Um, you know, as the, as, the, as the woman of the house, she would be cooking and everything, but she is so sick that um, she is horizontal, she's in bed. Uh, Now, whereas Jesus to the demon-possessed man speaks a word of command to the demon who is possessing the man, when he comes and encounters uh, Peter's mother-in-law, he just merely takes her hand, raises her up without a word. We don't hear of him speaking one word. And as she rises, the fever completely leaves her. It is the Sabbath, so people can't walk very far. But as soon as sun sets, which is the end of the Sabbath day um, in Israel, the day begins as sunset and goes through until the, ne- the next sunset. So that's their day, not our day, but their day. So as the sun sets, it's dark. And so it's the end of the Sabbath. People can now walk about. And so what happens is it's dark and there's a mass. The whole city has come out to Simon Peter's house because word has got out about this amazing healing that Jesus has done for this man possessed of a demon. We might be a bit surprised that a demon possession happens within the context of a holy place inside a synagogue, but we should not be so because where would the enemy try and attack his people most but in those places that have been given over to his holiness, to Jesus. And so we do even today find places um, with, with, uh, with, with demonic oppression. Seminaries are places like that. You might be surprised to hear that, but I have first-hand knowledge of that. And so that, so, but we stand against him in the same way that Jesus did. And we stand against any form of oppression by, by Satan and, and the demonic forces. So Jesus casts out the demon and words spread around. So there are masses of people 
And, um, and he goes out. He doesn't sit down and say, oh, come along. And, you know, he walks through the crowd of people that are there. The whole city we hear has come out. And he heals as he goes. If you look through the Gospels, they go hand in hand. He teaches and he heals. He teaches and he heals. Over and over again, where he teaches, he also heals. The kingdom of God comes in with great signs. Both the spoken word, the authority of Jesus, and recreated creation. The creation that was first created in him is now being recreated in him. The fallenness of creation. And as he goes around, he heals those. There's nowhere where he goes in his presence that the enemy can still remain. I want to say that that is his ongoing work today. And many of you who have been in this congregation for a long time know that so well. This church, this building, was built in the 60s because the healing ministry of Christ, and it is his healing ministry, not ours, but his healing ministry was so abundant and so profound that we needed five services over in the little chapel It expanded so much that it could not contain the number of people. And so this was built. This church was built. And the rectors that came afterwards continued to trust that Jesus had left to his church that ministry of preaching his word, of speaking his word, and of healing in his name. And it continues today. Uh, We had the blessing this last Thursday. uh, We're the first Thursday of the month in the chapel. um, And the third Thursday of the month we have healing services. The first Thursday of the month is a service dedicated to the healing of the nations. We've been called. Jesus has gone out ahead, called us into a ministry of prayer for the healing of the nations. And we've been praying for people who are spreading the gospel of light into darkness in those areas. Uh, ISIS and, and uh, where radicalized Islam is spreading through North, North, America, North Africa. And, um, and so we've been praying for those people. We've been praying for people who are spreading the message of peace, reconciliation, and love into those places. We've also been praying for all of the refugees. We've been praying for a healing of the nations. And this last Thursday, um, this was a divine appointment. Um, we had somebody come. His name was Fazi Khalil. And he said to us, um, for Americans, so that you remember not my name, you'll remember it this way. Fuzzy Wuzzy was a bear. And so um, you can see he had a great sense of humor. Um, I'd not met him before. But, you know, Facebook is this amazing uh, vehicle for making connections. And I happened to see that a friend of mine who's a priest in the diocese, not in Orlando, was talking about a person, he didn't name him, who was coming to preach at his. So I messaged him and said, what's his name? We have this healing service for the nations. Do you think he'd be able to come and talk to us about this firsthand? And, um, and he did, and we realized, it was just, 
we realized that this was who we'd been praying for. This is one of the people that we had been praying for that we didn't know, but now we know him and now we're connected. But as we gathered uh, beforehand, as we do, the Order of St. Luke physician members, we gathered and we gathered in prayer and we ended up just having this amazing time of thanksgiving because we heard one after another of prayers that had been answered. We, um, uh, Terry has a friend whose daughter had had um, uh, cancer of the brain and had, um, we'd been praying for her. And um, she'd had surgery and when Terry was talking to him this week, he had said, you know, she went back for a checkup and they did this brain scan. They couldn't even see where the surgery had been. Her brain is completely healed. There are other places of cancer, but we're continuing to pray over those as well. Not a sign. We had this this last week. Some of you know we, we've had this wonderful plumber that Joe's found in, uh, through Connections, and, and he's been wonderful. He's a young man. He's, not, he's in his mid-30s, maybe, Joe. I don't know how old he is, but he's, he's not an old, uh, old person. And he's... And he's um, so before Christmas, he was supposed to come out and do some work, and we found out that um, he'd been admitted to hospital in the emergency room with a heart attack. Uh, and um, so Joe called. We immediately sent out the prayer request to all of the prayer team, and we were we were praying for Tony, and and found out that he was getting better and that he was fine and that nothing had you know that that he was okay. And so Joe came in with him last week. I said, Tony, it's so good to see you. You're looking good, guy. How are things? He said, Well, the doctors are absolutely amazed because with what I had, they don't understand how well I am right now, how I'm healed. And I said, but you do, don't you? <laughs> you do, right? God healed you. He's called us to a ministry of prayer, and he heals. And he comes in, and, and, and we had several just going around the circle of thanksgivings where we recognized God's hand in this. And in our group, um, we've had many amazing healings take place, relational healings of relationships, uh, physical healings, healings in a healing where people had been um, just abused as children. And yet going back in in deep prayer, uh, we see that Jesus was always there. And Jesus comes in and heals those memories, so that people are freed from the pain of those and can live into a new life. We've seen that happen as well here. But today I wanted to have Jan Marie share with you uh, because Jan Marie has shared with us on a Thursday evening, on the third Thursday, um, of those places where God has healed both relationally and physically. So, Jan Marie, will you? come up and just share with us. I think we're set up with the microphone up there, hopefully. Good morning. I believe that some of you will remember my story about my family's reconciliation one with another by the grace of God. 
Like many families today, my husband Wayne and I faced the challenges of a blended family. One of our greatest struggles was with our oldest son. As a teenager, he was destructive, resentful, and rebellious. The pattern continued into his adulthood with long silences in between accusations and recriminations on his part. Wayne and I spent many tearful nights in prayer with little apparent result. Nonetheless, I prayed a mother's prayer for my son and our relationship with him for many years. One night, I prayed for my son as if he had died. Indeed, he was as lost to us as if he had died. I asked Jesus to take my child to himself and to love him and protect him as we had somehow failed to do. I prayed the Lord's forgiveness for my shortcomings as a parent and for my part in the unhappiness that had plagued our home. I prayed to the Holy Spirit to let my child, wherever he was, feel my love for him in his heart, even though I truly believed that I would never see or hear from him again. A few years ago, those prayers were answered in the most wonderful and unexpected way, and we are resurrected as a family. Today, we enjoy a congenial, affectionate, and connected relationship with our children and their partners and our grandchildren, and life has been very good. But as my walk with the Lord progressed, I realized that it was not enough to pray for my children to be reconciled to Wayne and me, their parents, but that they also be reconciled to their heavenly family as well. And this has been my prayer since that time. Now I bring you to October of last year. The phone rings. It's Saturday morning early, and I note that it's our son in California calling. Really early for him out there, and that's never good. Hi, son, what's up? I'm in the hospital, Mom. It's pancreatitis, and they're running some tests. I'm being admitted now. I'm uneasy, but he's been complaining of abdominal pain for a few weeks now. I thought he'd told me that it was a bleeding ulcer and that he'd seen a doctor. Oh, well, what do I know? I won't bother him with lots of questions right now. I say a prayer. I call my son that evening, and I'm told that he needs to make some lifestyle changes, and he'll be okay. I still have that nagging, worrying thing in the back of my mind, but I'm sure he knows best. I won't crowd him. He hates that. I say a prayer. The next several days consist of me texting or calling my son's number and his fiancée letting me know that he's sleeping and he'll get back to me soon. My heart knows there's something very wrong, and I pray. About a week goes by, and I receive a call from Maria on a Wednesday night. Mom, Justin is still really sick. His doctor says his body is not taking over the healing process, and it should be by now. They're going to take him to surgery tomorrow, but I'm sure it'll be okay. Do I need to come, I ask? No, Mom. I'm sure everything will be fine. I pray. I pray. Later, I receive a text from Maria. He made it through the surgery. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Thursday evening after the healing service, I receive a call from Maria. Mom, Justin has a blood clot in his lung. He's receiving medication to dissolve the clot, but if that doesn't work, he will need more surgery. Mom, he might not make it. I'm afraid. I can't make decisions for him because we're not married. Can you come? My heart seizes. Of course, I'm on my way. I'm packing, and I'm praying. And I'm praying and packing, trying to be organized. 
and out of nowhere, a primal scream rips from me and I fall to my knees. I scream and scream. I can't form words, but my very soul is crying out to my Lord. Save him, Lord. Mercy, Lord. I don't know how long I stay on that floor, utterly bereft, and my heart doing the only thing it knows how to do right now. Save him, Lord. Mercy, Lord. Abba. Father. Friday morning sees me on a flight to L.A. I get lost in the airport, the same route I've been taking for years. A nice man walks me all the way to my gate, and when I explain my apparent idiocy, he says he'll pray for us. All the way to California, I plan my son's funeral. Would he want to be with my grandparents in our hometown, or would he want to be in California where he's lived for so many years? Who to call first? I'll call a priest as soon as I get there for last rites if necessary. And I pray. All the way, I pray. When I arrive at the hospital and see my son, I almost collapse. My strength fails me. He's so bloated, I wouldn't know my own child without his profile. There's blood on the floor from where his IVs failed, and they placed a thick line. He's a fluorescent yellow and on oxygen. He's in kidney failure. He's septic. He's very restless and pulls away his oxygen every few minutes. He's hallucinating. I understand now that my child is in withdrawal. I understand everything now. I can't think. I want to say something to let my child know that I'm there, that he's not alone. But I open my mouth and I say, Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against thee in thought, word, and deed. And when I get to the end, I start over. For hours, I confess to the Lord for Justin and for me. I stay by his bedside in case he can hear me and that I can hear him if he calls. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against thee in thought, word, and deed. My son survived that night and every night since. The next day, his body took up the challenge to heal. His heart took up the challenge to try again. His head's still working on all that. I share this to tell you that when we are without strength, without even the words to pray, he hears us. Almighty God stretched out his hand and answered my prayers for my child again. Save him, Lord. Have mercy, Lord. Today, my son is completely healthy and off all medications. He did not need the surgery. He's still walking his path in the Lord's own time. And I pray, thanks be to God. Thank you, Jan Marie. You may be here echoes of that in our Isaiah passage today. The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint and strengthens the powerless. Those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And the psalmist says that he binds up the brokenhearted. 
This same creator God who first created came amongst us to recreate us, to heal us and make us whole. From the words of Henry Goriope, he made the Sea of Galilee as well as hushed it. He could restore the blind man's sight, for he first made the optic nerve and retina. He could give hearing to the deaf man, for he first set the drum in the ear. He could cure the withered arm, for he made the bone and strung the muscle. The Christ who walked the dusty roads of Galilee was the God who roamed through the paths of galaxies. The Christ who lit the lakeside fire on which to cook breakfast for his tired, hungry disciples had lit a billion stars and hung them across the midnight sky. He who asked the outcast for a drink had filled with water every river, lake, and ocean. Christ became God's self-disclosure. In Jesus, God entered humanity, eternity invaded time. Eternity invaded time to bring eternity into our time, to bring eternity to us, to initiate God's kingdom on earth. And it began with Jesus' teaching and healing, and it did not end at the resurrection, for he gave that power to his church. He said, greater things than these will you do in my name, in his name, not in our own power, but in the power power of the Holy Spirit that he has left to his church in his name. We are still called to preach, to teach, and to heal in his name. But what can we say about those times when we have prayed for a cure and none has come? We have no answers, for we do not know the mind of God, and God's time is different than our time. We live in Kronos time. We mark it by the moon, by our watches. God lives outside. His time is so much greater than this small period of time that we have on the earth. He looks at the entire eternity. His is Kairos time. And he perfectly knows. And this is a mystery we do not know. Sometimes we're to learn a deeper trust in God. There's a delay in the cure or the healing because we need to trust more deeply. Sometimes unforgiveness blocks healing. Sometimes we're holding on to a sin that needs to be repented of before healing can truly take place. And sometimes none of those things are true. And the prayed-for cure doesn't happen. God never heals on our timetable. But he's called us into the ministry of prayer for healing, and we have seen healings take place. And sometimes the healing that takes place is different than the one we requested, and we only see that with eyes of wisdom that he gives us later on. But let me ask you this. If you had a loved one, who had gone through doctors and all of the procedures necessary and had been told that there was no hope left. 
And then you found out about this experimental drug or this experimental procedure and the percentages weren't great. Would you not go anyway? Would you not do everything that science has to offer? Would you not take that extra step to go? What would happen if we said that Jesus is here like he was in Simon Peter's house on the first and the third Thursday of every uh, month in the chapel? Would you not bring everybody you knew for the Lord's touch and for his word of healing? He is. He's present. He's present now because he inhabits the praises and prayers of his people. And where his church gathers, so there he is also where two or three are gathered in his name, there he is in the midst of them. He is very present right now with his people. And he is present in his word to preach and to preach his good news and to heal in his name. He is still present. If you have ever said to anybody who comes to you with a need, let me know if I can do anything. And you've said those words and you have not told them that you will pray for their healing or you have not placed them on their prayer list for the intercessors to be praying for them at the very least or you have not invited them to come along to a healing service. Then your words are echoing hollow because you have not done everything that you could do. Because the first thing that we must do is pray. I'm not saying not to go to the doctor because all of medicine, all of the wisdom that doctors have, where does it come from? It comes from God, but he also heals supernaturally. Samuel Chadwick says this, the one concern of the devil is to keep Christians from praying. He fears nothing from prayerless studies, prayerless work, and prayerless religion. He laughs at our toil, mocks at our wisdom, but trembles when we pray. Do you know that? Satan trembles when we pray because God's power is released through our prayers. So I close with the words from Nigel Mumford, the Reverend Nigel Mumford, widely known throughout the world in in his international healing ministry. He says this, The healing ministry is an unwrapped gift from God to be re-gifted to others. May we open up the gift and enter in to what he has for us because this God who roamed the galaxies and walked the dusty streets of Galilee is with us still to heal. Amen.